Chapter Eight of Hope and Have Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight The Sick Girl. The last part of the interview between Fanny and Mr. O'Shane had been witnessed by Mrs. Kent, who came out of the house when she had attended to the wants of her sick child. The dark cloud which menaced her a few moments before had rolled away and if the sunshine did not beam upon her she was comparatively happy in having one trouble less to weigh her down she was calm now but the tears they were tears of relief still rolled down her wan and furrowed cheek i have prayed for help and help has come said she to her deliverer as the harsh landlord walked away fanny could not make any reply to a statement of this kind she was a fugitive and a wanderer she was a thief shunning the gaze of men and she could not conceive of such a thing as that she had been sent as an angel of relief to the poor woman in answer to her prayers as she thought what she was and what she had been doing a blush of shame suffused her cheek she was silent there was nothing which she could say at such a moment heaven will bless you for your good kind heart you are an angel continued mrs kent fanny knew how far she was from being an angel and she had no heart for deceiving the poor woman it might be fun and excitement to deceive the people at woodville but mrs kent seemed to be sanctified by her sorrows i hope you haven't robbed yourself by your good deed miss added the poor woman wondering why fanny did not speak oh no i have some more money perhaps mrs kent thought it singular that a young girl like fanny should happen to have so much money about her but she did not ask any questions and perhaps she did not think that one who had been so kind to her could do anything wrong now you will come into the house and see poor jenny she will want to thank you for what you have done said mrs kent leading the way to the door fanny could not refuse this reasonable request but she felt very strangely she found herself commended and reverenced for what she had done and she could not help feeling how unworthy she was conscience that she had performed a really good deed she could not reconcile it with her past conduct it was utterly inconsistent with the base act she had done in the morning and in the light of one deed the other seemed so monstrous that she almost loathed herself she followed mrs kent into the room where the sick girl was reclining upon the bed there was no carpet on the floor and the apartment was very meagerly furnished with the rudest and coarsest articles jenny was pale and emaciated the hand of death seemed to be already upon her but in spite of her paleness and her emaciation there was something beautiful in her face something in the expression of her languid eyes which riveted the attention and challenged the interest of the visitor jenny this is the young lady whom god has sent to be our friend said mrs kent as they approached the bedside fanny shuddered whom god had sent she a thief she wanted to cry she wanted to shrink back into herself may i take your hand asked jenny in feeble tones 
Fanny complied with the request in silence, and with her eyes fixed on the floor, the sick girl took the offered hand in her own, which was almost as cold as marble. Mother has prayed to our good father, and I have prayed to him all the time for help, said Jenny, whose accents were hardly above a whisper. He has sent you to us, and you have saved us. Will you tell me your name? Fanny Grant. Fanny, I am going to heaven soon, and I will bear your name in my heart when I go. I will bless you for your good deed while I have breath, and I will bless you when I get to heaven. You are a good girl, and I know that God will bless you too. Poor Fanny! How mean she felt! As she stood in the presence of that pure-minded child, already an angel in simple trust and confiding hope, she realized her own wickedness. The burden of her sins seemed to be settling down upon her with a weight that would crush her. "'I love you, Fanny,' continued the invalid, "'and I will pray for you to the last moment of my life. "'Won't you speak to me?' "'I was very glad to do what I did,' stammered Fanny, "'almost suffocated by the weight which pressed down upon her. "'I know you are.' "'for it is more blessed to give than to receive. "'I am very sorry you are so sick. "'Can I do anything to help you?' "'You have done all that could be done, Fanny. "'I like to speak your name. "'It sounds like music to me. "'After what you have done, "'Fanny will always mean goodness to me. "'You cannot do anything more. "'You have already done enough.' "'Don't you want anything?' "'No.' I am happy now. I shall soon pass away and go to my Savior. Mrs. Kent sobbed. Don't cry, mother, continued Jenny. God will take care of you, and we shall meet again. Can't I get anything for you, Jenny? Isn't there anything you want? asked Fanny, who felt that she must do something, or she would soon be overwhelmed by the emotions which agitated her soul. "'Nothing, Fanny. I don't think much of the things around me now. I feel just as though I didn't belong here. This is not my home. Can you sing, Fanny?' "'I do sing sometimes,' replied she. "'Will you sing to me?' "'I will. What shall I sing?' "'Something about heaven,' answered Jenny, as she sank back upon the pillow." and fixed her gaze upon the ceiling, as though beyond it she could see the happy home which was ever in her thoughts. Fanny, as we have said before, was a remarkable singer, not in the artistic sense, though, with proper cultivation of her talent, she might have been all this also. She had a fine voice, and sang as naturally as the birds sing. But this was not an occasion for artistic efforts. Never before had the soul of the wayward girl been so stirred. She was a Sunday-school scholar, and familiar with most of the beautiful and touching melodies contained in children's songbooks. She was asked to sing something about heaven, and she began at once, as though it had been selected by some invisible agency, and impressed upon her mind with the beautiful hymn. There's a home for the poor on that beautiful shore, when life and its sorrows are ended, 
and sweetly they'll rest in that home of the blest by the presence of angels attended there's a home for the sad and their hearts will be glad when they've crossed over jordan so dreary for bright is the dome of that radiant home where so softly repose all the weary the home for the poor on that beautiful shore seemed to be almost in sight of the singer for the pale dying girl spread heaven around her and fanny sang as she had never sung before she could hardly keep down the tears which struggled for birth in her dim eyes and her sweet voice was attuned to the sentiment of the words she sang which were wedded to a melody so touching as to suggest the heaven it spoke of there was a seraphic smile on the wan face of jenny as the singer finished the first verse and she clasped her thin white hands above her breast in the ecstasy of her bliss fanny sang the four verses of the hymn and every moment of the time seemed to be a moment of rapture to the dying girl how beautiful cried jenny after a period of silence at the conclusion of the hymn i have never been so happy fanny let me take your hand in mine again can i do anything more for you asked fanny as she gave her hand to the invalid no nothing it will make you tired to sing any more now oh no i could sing all day but the sweet strains you have just sung still linger in my soul let me hold your hand a moment and then i will go to sleep if i can i like to hold your hand you are so good fanny despised herself she wanted to tell jenny what a monster of wickedness she felt herself to be and she would have done so if it had not been for giving pain to the gentle sufferer i would like to go to heaven now holding your hand and mother's and eddie's for it seems to me i could carry you up to the saviour with me then and give you all to him and he would love you for my sake and because you are so good but i shall never forget you i shall bear your name to heaven with me fanny the wicked girl shuddered depart from me seemed to be the only message the saviour had for her let me do something more for you said fanny who could not endure to be called good by one who was so near heaven that there could be no hypocrisy or shadow of deceit in her heart you may sing me one more hymn if you are not too tired replied jenny oh no i am never tired of singing and she sang the song containing the refrain there is sweet rest in heaven with exquisite taste and feeling mrs kent whispered that jenny must be weary now and fanny took the hand of the sick girl to bid her good-bye good-bye fanny i shall never see you again but we shall meet in heaven said jenny with her sweetest smile i will come and see you again if i can how happy it would make me perhaps i will come again to-day i'm afraid if you don't i shall never see you in this world again i will come to-day good-bye added jenny languidly as fanny followed mrs kent out of the room isn't there anything i can bring to her asked fanny when they had passed into the other room 
"'I don't know, poor child. She knows how little I can do for her, and she never says she wants anything. She is very fond of flowers, and Eddie used to bring her dandelion blossoms, but these are all gone now.' "'I will bring her some flowers,' replied Fanny, who could not help wishing for some of the beautiful flowers which grew in such profusion at Woodville. But to her Woodville now seemed as far off as the heaven of which she had been singing to the dying girl. But she thought she could obtain some flowers in the city, and she felt as though she would give all the rest of her ill-gotten treasure for a single bouquet. Fanny begged Mrs. Kent to tell her if there was anything she could do for the sick daughter or for the family, and the poor woman confessed that she had nothing in the house to eat except half a loaf of bread, which was to be their dinner. Lest her visitor should think her destitution was caused by her own fault, she related the story of hardships she had undergone since her husband departed with his regiment. Mr. Kent was a mechanic and having been thrown out of employment by the dull times at the commencement of the war, he had enlisted in one of the regiments that departed earliest for the scene of hostilities. He had left his family with only a small sum of money, and had promised to send all his pay to his wife as soon as it was received. Mr. Kent's regiment had been engaged in the disastrous battle of Bull Run, since which he had not been heard from. It was known that he had been taken prisoner but when exchanges were made he did not appear. His wife was unwilling to believe that he was dead, and still hoped for tidings of him. Jenny was sick when her father departed, but it was not supposed to be a dangerous illness. Perhaps it would not have been if she had been supplied with the comforts of life. The family had been driven from the more comfortable abode, in which Mr. Kent had left them, to Mr. O'Shane's miserable hovel. The poor woman had gone out to work until Jenny's condition demanded her constant attention. She had then obtained what sewing she could, but with all her exertions she was hardly able to obtain food for her family, to say nothing of procuring clothes and paying the rent. Mrs. Kent lived by herself, having little or no communication with the world around her. She had heard the provision for soldiers' families, and had made an effort to obtain this aid but she was unable to prove that she was a soldier's wife, and being delicate and sensitive, she had not the courage to face the rebuffs of the officials a second time. Fanny listened to this story with but little interest. She was thinking of Jenny, whose sweet smile of holy rapture still lingered in her mind. Promising to do something for the family, she took leave of Mrs. Kent, who had no words to express the gratitude she felt towards her benefactor. Fanny went to the nearest store, and purchased a liberal supply of provisions and groceries, which she sent back to the house. She felt better then, and walked down the street till she came to a horse-car, in which she rode down to the park. End of chapter 8 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana